welcome to a brand spanking new episode of the two brandon <laughs> finally this is brandon easton this is brandon thomas and we're back again the date is friday thank god it's friday february 22nd 2019 that's right the year that blade runner happens <laughs> <laughs> i think we're we're a little behind it seems like we're a little behind schedule right now indeed right well, 20 well november 2019 is the actual events of blade runner so la has to become an irradiated wasteland of acid rain in the next couple of months that's actually still possible there's it still is, time it's, for that it's entirely possible so uh on a great note um we've both had some remarkable successes lately and I want to start off with something very, very positive before I tell a story that I find to be extremely necessary in this time. So first things first, I have to congratulate Brandon Thomas on the announcement of a brand new sorcery and sword and hip-hop style book with black folks called Excellence. And if you haven't seen the art, the preview art by Kerry Randolph, and, I, and I'm not familiar with the rest of the team, okay. but... I mean, Brandon will tell you a lot about I it. I will. But basically, <laughs> Skybound, you know, Robert Kirkman's people, and my man Brandon Thomas have partnered up to do excellence. And I'll let him talk a little bit about that real quick before we get into the meat of today's podcast. All right. So uh, very excited that this announcement is, is finally out there. It's been something that we've been working on for maybe almost two years now, maybe a little longer with me developing it up with Skybound before we got uh, Kari involved. But it is a... Um, it's a it's a new a new thing for me. It's an action fantasy series. Decided uh, after I'm still doing more sci-fi, and everyone knows I'm obsessed with sci-fi. But I wanted to uh, branch out and and play in a genre that I wasn't as familiar with, and that was kind of the beginning of uh, of excellence, which is a really cool uh, contemporary fantasy series. Uh, cool magic wands cool action sequences and at its core it's really a story about a father and son and how they relate and also don't relate to each other in this uh this magical world it's a coming of age story it's about legacy it's about tradition and uh it is the most personal thing that I've ever done in comics. Uh, I told one of my one of my close friends uh it, it is the most the most Brandon Brandon thing ever. <laughs> is how I uh described it. And what's really been uh what's really been rewarding is once, you know, Kari Randolph, who's an amazing artist, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people listening to this podcast probably know uh, of Kari and his work. He's actually been doing uh, covers for Noble when I was uh, writing that up to issue 14. His uh, friend and uh, <laughs> uh, usual collaborator, Emilio Lopez, is handling the colors. Deron Bennett is handling the letters. This is in uh, and all, what do we call an, an all uh, creative team entirely creators of color so that is something that we will um, uh, maintain throughout uh, the series and it's been a lot of fun to really develop up you know develop this world and once we got Kari and Emilio and Duran involved everyone else put their selves into this book so what started 
as a kind of me trying to navigate and reconcile what I feel is kind of like a, a dysfunctional relationship that I have with my own father was injected, you know, with all of the different creators that came in and put their own, you know, kind of thoughts and, and ideas and their emotions into this, this kind of great mix that we're working on. And we're just, I'm just so, I'm so excited that, that the news is finally out, that we don't have to keep this a secret anymore. <laughs> And uh, keeping secrets, by the way, everybody <laughs> he does not say anything, so you don't have to worry about any of your stuff. Out there. Uh, I try, I try to be, I try to be really good about it. But uh, this right. is my, this is my second, second original series uh, through Skybound. Obviously, we did a uh, Horizon a couple of years back, and I've taken all of the lessons that I learned on Horizon and brought them into excellence. So I think. When you when people read this book, it'll definitely feel like a an escalation creatively for me and for the entire team. I mean, the work that Kari is doing. the the the, the really cool part is that you guys have only you know scratched the surface of how this book looks and feels and breathes because you know a lot of the um, a lot of the promo material is from our first couple of issues, but you know, Kari is several issues ahead now, and the stuff that he's doing, it's like every issue, it just gets like better and better and better and, and the kind of the, the characters and, and the way everything looks and their clothing and the action sequences everything just, you know, solidifies like the more time we spend in the world the, the more we understand it and I think that you'll really be able to see that and feel that when you read the book and we're just just really really excited about it this is like I said it's the most personal personal thing I've ever done in comics I'm really you know opening myself up in some uncomfortable ways in certain respects but people really seem to be uh, responding to it thus far and so we're we're really excited to to get it out there this spring it starts on May 8th um, you can you should be able to pre-order it now or you can pre-order it next week uh, book is called Excellence it's myself Kari Randolph uh, on the art chores uh, Emilio Lopez coloring Duran Bennett on the letters and my usual uh, Skybound squad Sean Makowitz Ariel Basic on the uh, on the edits so it's a it's really it's been a really uh, just fun rewarding experience to do a book like this and I feel like this was I don't want I don't want to say this was the book I was avoiding but I know we've talked about this before our um just an unwillingness to become like you know the quote-unquote black writer you know where all we do is write you know black characters and black concepts and black thoughts and and whatever so (laughs) i i think it was it was good for me to it was good for me and it was good for skybound i think for us to start out on like a a sci-fi book that didn't have any like racial kind of element to it at all before we tackled something like excellence where that is definitely at the the forefront and when when you read that first issue especially especially black and brown people you'll know exactly what we're getting at and kind of exactly what the kind of narrative arc of this 
you know is going to be so we're just really excited for you know for the for the word to be out uh just this this morning actually it was announced that we got the cover of previews so the uh the next issue of previews you know a lot of you guys know it's the comic shop catalog that's where the retailers uh, order all of the product so uh the issue that comes out next week will have excellence on the cover and it also has there should be some extra preview pages inside previews and also a Q&A with uh, me and Kari. So it's a really big kind of, you know, it's a really big focus on this book. And that is a reflection of not only how um, excited Skybound is about it, but excited, you know, how excited Image Comics itself, you know, as a larger entity is about it. So we're just we're just so so happy we're 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 very happy with the material and just can't wait until people can get their hands on it and actually you know kind of devour it and we think that we think that people are really gonna like this one so it's it's a really cool feeling it's that you know it's it's excitement and anxiety and you know a, a little kind of you know overconfidence too you get that too you're like oh yeah when when when, when people read this they, they they're gonna like it they're gonna like it so um you know, we get started in May and uh, Excellence, uh, you know, I can't give the other one away, but Excellence will not be the only uh, title that I have coming out this uh, or not launching this year. So uh, stay tuned for for more. Probably All around right. the time that Excellence comes out, there will be a new one. But it's not just me because, you know, my, my man, Brandon also has a a series of announcements that have happened in the last couple of weeks (laughs) well first we'll get to that in a minute because okay i wanted to use your incredible success as a springboard to talk about something on the opposite side of it which is the fact that me and brandon thomas this is easton talking right now easton and thomas respectively have both had extremely dark moments in our career and i don't mean dark as in deathly but moments when it looked like things weren't really going to go the way we planned it to go career-wise. Yes. You know, there were many moments when I actually thought my career was over. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because there have been a couple of fellowships that have come up for TV writers here in Los Angeles. And as the last, I think, three weeks have progressed, the actual submission date ends today at midnight or 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. And throughout the last couple of weeks, I've seen quite a few uh, aspiring screenwriters, aspiring television writers, whatever you want to call them, complaining about the requirements of the fellowship in order to apply. And the common refrain that I've seen from these folks is the term, this is so unfair. This is unfair only certain people are allowed to apply because they meet certain requirements and those requirements are unfair. And that's basically been the cycle of complaint or the cycle of concern. And to my response in the nicest possible way is of course, the entertainment industry has never been fair. Ever. No. Not since day one, whether you're talking about vaudeville going back to the, you know, 18th century or sorry the 19th century if you're talking about theater you're talking about music dance acting television and film and literature itself the business has always skewed toward those with wealth or those who had certain connections it has always been that way 
Motown, which was a at first an all-black company, turned down a lot of black people who they felt weren't quote-unquote good enough or didn't meet Barry Gordy's requirements for success. There have always been standards. And there's a reason why. Because if you open any kind of writing contest or fellowship or whatever to everybody, the people who run that are going to be inundated with, I hate to say it, a lot of garbage. And I'll tell you why I know that. I've had two experiences in my life where I worked in or worked as a submissions editor. When I was living in Boston, I worked for an anime newsletter slash magazine called The Crash Pad. And there was a point when we needed new writers to contribute because it was basically an anime slash Asian cinema, you know, the newsletter, pretty much like a blog, but, you know, nowadays right. it would be a but blog. Print it. Right, so it yes. Print it, right? Yes, it would. <laughs> so I needed people who, one, knew how to critique anime and cinema in general, and two, not only knew how to do it, but knew how to write it, you know? And originally, I opened it up for anybody who had an interest in Asian pop culture. I don't have to tell you the nonsense that came through my office door. <laughs> I had people submitting hand-drawn resumes. And when I say hand-drawn resumes, I don't mean it was a handwritten resume. I mean they would draw like scenes on a resume as if I was asking them for artwork when I was asking them could they write. I wow. had <laughs> some of the worst formatted things I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I call it things because that was not a submission. Not for on, on a journalistic level, it was basically the equivalent of giving somebody a hot dog roll filled with dog poop. <laughs> and I mean that. So the next time, a month later, after I had gathered my senses, I put out a brand new call for submissions, but I required that those submissions be typed. I required that a resume had to be submitted from someone with journalistic experience, one, and two, proof of journalistic experience in terms of a degree and a series of clips. These were requirements. Why? Because I cut down 99% of the garbage that came through my door, that came to my desk at that time. And was that fair? No. It wasn't fair that there were people out there who probably could write about anime but had no proof of that because they never got an opportunity. But if you're a writer, you have to create your own opportunity. And I, I talk about that because 2014 was probably simultaneously the best and worst year of my creative career as a professional. What happened was first half of the year, I got an Eisner nomination. I had a bunch of work coming in and around the end of May 2014, I had hit all my deadlines, all my work had been submitted, and then there was no more work. Nobody returned any email, nobody returned any call. It felt like I had been erased from the comic book industry and in Hollywood completely. Like, nobody would acknowledge me at all. It is the worst feeling right. on and earth, by I the way. I can't tell you. It is, ain't it? And I can't tell you how many other writers who are doing very well now have that exact same story. Now, 
What I did on the second half of 2014 when things got cold was I spent about two months feeling sorry for myself, but I never made it public. I kept it to myself. I didn't blame the industry, whether it be the film and TV industry, nor did I blame the comic book industry. I just knew that I was going to have to do something to get attention on myself again. I just didn't know at the time what that was. So in the middle of that year, I had applied to the Disney ABC writing program for 2015 for that class. And I had no idea if I was going to get in, but I wrote an aero spec, which is a sample script. And I also wrote a pilot called Majestic, which was a science fiction adventure about a brother and sister searching for their missing parents. And I got into the ABC writing program, luckily, you know, because a lot of people apply. They only accept eight, right? But the point of that is that if I didn't get into the ABC writing program, I have no idea what my 2015 would have looked like. But I would have not complained publicly about it. And that's kind of my point. I've seen Twitter feed, Twitter thread, excuse me, upon Twitter thread about this particular fellowship that ends today on February 22nd. The submissions end today. And there have been quite a few people complaining about they don't have this. And it's only open to this people. And it's only open to these kind of people. And that. And I'm like, you know what? That's true. It is exclusionary. Because if it's not exclusionary, a bunch of people who are not properly trained to apply and don't meet the requirements will not get in the way of people who do meet the requirements. Right. And it does suck. But guess what? When I got here in 2018, sorry, excuse me. When I moved to L.A. in uh, September of 2008, 2008, I was not qualified for anything here. And I just didn't realize it. And it took me three long, hard years of getting better and working harder and hustling really hard and making those connections and getting to know people. And mind you, I'm a six foot two black male. And at that time, I was way over 350 pounds, right? So you're, you're talking about a town, Los Angeles, and specifically the Hollywood creative community, which is the most body-sized discriminatory community next to the fashion industry on the face of the earth. I was not only getting residual racist vibes, I was getting we don't want fat people around us at all vibes. And that is much more pronounced and accepted than being an open racist here in L.A. And even despite all of that, I didn't complain. I wrote a couple of pieces about it on my blog called uh, The Fool's Crusade, and I let it go. And I just went back to the drawing board and wrote and wrote and wrote until I got good enough to meet those requirements, until I got good enough to get a manager or an agent, which are things you need Regardless of what people tell you, if you want to be a TV writer or a feature writer or even a novelist, you need to get some agency representation in this town or in New York City. I didn't make the rule, but I had to meet that requirement. You know, and if you're not getting an agent and if you're not getting a manager and if you haven't put yourself in the position to hustle, how many people can you actually blame? And I'm not trying to be nasty or rude. I'm just being very straightforward. At some point in time, you've got to look in the mirror and be like, I need to be a better writer. Every single day, I look in the mirror and say that, no matter what achievements I get, because there are still people better than me. There are younger, better-looking people who are better than me, who hustle harder, and they get those jobs. 
and I can't complain until my script is fundamentally better than those scripts and those samples. You know, I look back in time at people like Spike Lee, who had no money and still made She's Gotta Have It somehow. I look back at Kevin Smith, who had no money and still figured out a way to make clerks somehow. Quentin Tarantino, um, Ava DuVernay, John Singleton. You know, I can go down the long list of people who made films with nothing, made books with nothing. It costs nothing to write a novel. Nothing other than having a computer that works, which in the 21st century you should probably have at this point. <laughs> right, you probably have it in your pocket pretty right? much. So. Exactly. Speaking of that, you, you just, you know, jumped to a thing I was going to say. Uh, I think in 2017, I believe, or maybe early 2018, there was a film that came out called Tangerine. And it was about the black transgender community in Los Angeles. That film was shot entirely on an iPhone. I think Soderbergh just um, shot a movie on an iPhone, too. I believe that. Yeah. The point, ultimately, is that everybody now has the ability to create anything they want without gatekeepers getting in their way. You can create a short film. You can create a short story. You can handwrite a short story and type it up at the library. No matter how you are. Listen, I was homeless for 30 days after a fire. I still went to work and I still wrote, even though I was couch surfing and looking for a new place to live. And I'm not saying that as a brag. That's just a statement of fact. And I remember being broke and, and, and homeless and starving. And a couple of my buddies pitched in to help me out. You know, and even despite all that, I still had to hustle. I still had to go to networking events. And if you're not in L.A. and you want to be a TV writer, guess what? Chances are you're not going to become a TV writer unless you move to L.A. That's where the business is. You know, and I say this to put it out there to everybody who, were, who was complaining about the strict or high level of requirements for that fellowship, which closes today. It's like, yeah, it sucks, but... I wasn't born with those connections. I wasn't born with those requirements. I had to go out and hustle for most of, most of everything I've got at a time when the Internet wasn't what it is now. There's, there was no book about how to be break into the comic book industry as a writer in the late 90s when I was breaking in. You know, there was nothing. Wizard Magazine would run an article once every 10 years and it basically <laughs> said, yeah, you basically need to know people in New York or else you ain't getting a job. <laughs> Alright? So, I'm not saying this to be rude or cruel or cold. I'm just saying this as a reminder that there's nothing fair about the entertainment industry. And the first thing, 101, you gotta learn is that if you're not a rich, white, straight male with a father or mother or uncle or uh, uh, what do you, the, a Freemason connection somewhere in the business, <laughs> you're going to have to bust your ass, figuratively speaking, and go out there and hustle. If you're not going to networking events in this town that happen for free that anybody could walk into, who are you going to blame? If you're not doing research to find out what's going on around town or what the market conditions are like, all that stuff is free. HollywoodReporter.com and Variety.com, which I talk about on our panels, that's free. Yep. It tells you what exactly what's going on in the business. What's getting sold, who's in it. Right. 
And for the comic book side, there are numerous reputable comic book websites that give you market conditions and so forth and so on. And the, the, the point of all of this is to say complaining about the industry does not get you hired. Creating material that people will want to read that is excellent, no pun intended, will get <laughs> you hired. Again, complaining doesn't get you anywhere. Completing projects does. And for all of those who are upset that you didn't meet the requirements for that fellowship, all I can say is figure out how to meet those requirements. Because that company and that organization is not going to change their requirements because you're upset that you don't have what it takes to get those at the present time. And chances are you may have what it takes to get them, but for some reason you haven't done it. And the question you need to ask yourself is why haven't I done what I need to do to get from point A to point B? And I had to make that hard decision myself back when I was a teacher in New York City in summer of 2008 when I gave up a great apartment and a great life in New York City to take a last-ditch attempt at achieving my dream of being a screenwriter in L.A. There was nobody that was going to do anything for me. I had to do it myself. And everybody will say the same thing except for those that small community of extremely rich, straight, white men whose parents or uncles or Freemason connections have gotten them into this business. And with that being said, I'll talk about some of the recent great stuff that's happened. For example, a couple of weeks ago, I got announced as one of the writers on Star Trek Year 5, which is going to be a canonized story of the last year of the original mission of the USS Enterprise under Captain James T. Kirk. So basically, we're going to bridge the gap between the end of Star Trek, the original series, and the beginning of Star Trek, the motion picture. And I am beyond, like, I can't even <laughs> say how much I'm happy to be a part of that room with people like Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing and Jim McCann and Jody Hauser. And speaking of Jody, she's writing Star Trek and Star Wars at the same time. Yeah, that's dope. I mean, good God, you know. So that was one of the things that I was uh, recently, uh, that was recently announced about me. And the second one was one I was sitting on for almost six months now. So basically, it was announced at Toy Fair in New York that in 2020, a Netflix animated series called Transformers War for Cybertron will be on the air, and it will be the official origin of the Autobot Decepticon Civil War taking place on the planet Cybertron. And I am one of the writers. <laughs> That's, I was so happy when I saw that. I was like, because I've just been waiting... I feel like I I know you you did the I think you did the one shot for IDW that was like the yeah, yeah, the what yeah. if yeah, yeah. Uh, what if uh, Transformers uh, the movie and yeah. I'm just like this dude needs to be writing a Transformers comic or a Transformers show or something it's like to me the universe is not right it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing until that happened so I was. I was just so so excited for you when I saw that announcement. I was like, yeah, see, that's what's supposed to happen. This this is gonna be a good year. I can tell already, <laughs> bro. I, you know, I like I'll tell you. You know, twenty eighteen was twenty seventeen was a really horrible year for me career wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, really horrible. And I had a couple of successes here and there, and I can't say that I didn't. But 
I didn't get staffed on a show. I still haven't been staffed on a live action show since mm-hmm. Agent Carter got canceled. You know, but in the meantime, I did work on the brand new Avengers Assemble series, uh, Black Panther's Quest. Mm-hmm. That's currently on Disney XD. I wrote two episodes of that, and I and I got on that because of showrunner Jeffrey Thorne, who mm-hmm. actually should be running a major franchise other than animated stuff. And his work was so great that he got a NC, sorry, uh, NAACP Image Award nomination for Best Animated Series for his work on Black Panther, Black Panther's Quest. Excuse me. And I have to give Jeff a major round of applause and congratulations, not only for shepherding a incredible tale of Black Panther versus Atlantis, but also for hiring me and hiring some other voices who normally wouldn't get that opportunity. And that comes from hustle and getting to know people and doing good work. There is not one thing that will get you from point A to point B. It is a conglomeration or a confluence mm-hmm. of many different situations that will get you from point A to point B. And that is extremely important to understand. So when I was offered the Transformers show, I was absolutely stunned. And when I got to write three episodes... Oh, that was going to be my next question. I thought we were going to have to do that in private, but I'm glad you could say it in public. That's awesome. Three episodes of the series. I wrote episodes 104, 105, and 106, which basically is, you know, it's basically a three part Uh season finale. So um, I got to write half the first season. I don't know what's happening with the, because it's going to be a trilogy. It's going to be three seasons. I don't know what's happening with the second and third season yet. But the fact that I got to write the Transformers story that I always wanted to write, and I mean that, and this show was going to be geared toward. Generation 1 or G1 fans, people who remember it from 1984 and have been waiting for a more not violent or well it is violent and brutal, it's not dirty but it's definitely a more adult take on the Transformers mythos and particularly the Cybertronian Civil War Mm -hmm. basically the best way I would describe it if anybody here has ever seen the first 15 minutes of Saving Private Ryan Imagine if that was the Autobot Decepticon Civil War on Cybertron before they wow. came. That's what you're going to see. Awesome. And that was my dream. I didn't ever want to write anything really in the Transformers mythos unless it was that story. And that was the story I always wanted to write, and I got to write it. And Congratulations, that, man. Thank, no, thank you. I mean, it was... It, I mean, the only thing that's really left in my inner child Infinity Gauntlet would be uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Because I've gotten to write Star Trek, Star Wars, Mask, Vampire Hunter D, uh, uh, Thundercats. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's been a lot. I got to write Night Thrasher. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So it's only 10 pages, but I got 10 pages of Night Thrasher. <laughs> well, I, I think I had like seven pages, so I'm jealous oh, that you got 10. Hey, at least we got something. Right? <laughs> That's true. At least we got pages, period. <laughs> right? So, bottom line, you know, your dreams can come true, folks. And it's not guaranteed, and you're not entitled to anything. You have to prove you belong. And I didn't understand what that meant. And in, if you're not a straight, white, rich guy with connections, you're going to have to really prove you belong. And that means you're not going to always get the jobs you want. 
You're not always going to be referred. You're not always going to be mentored. No People will not take you under their wing unless you remind them of what they used to be. And if an older white guy takes a look at me, nine times out of ten, I'm not reminding him of what he was like when he was trying to break in. And that's not even a racist statement. It's just human nature. Right. You tend to help out people that remind you of yourself. So, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of power brokers who look at a guy like me and be like, oh, yeah, Sonny, you know, let's sit down and talk. And I'm not going to say I haven't had white guys do that because there have been. But they were intelligent enough and human and humane enough to see past what I look like and look at the quality of my work. And there have been quite a few. And I thank them and white women, too, who have been kind enough and fair, ultimately, enough to take a chance on me. And they don't have to do that. And the thing is, I had to earn a opportunity to be trusted, if that even makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So I put that out there to everybody who is discouraged. Don't be. You just have to go back to the drawing board, determine a plan of success, and if that does not work, come up with a new plan and another plan because the people in power literally don't care about you. You have to make them care. And trust me when I say that, even at the level I'm quote-unquote at, whatever that means, there is a massive population of people within this industry who simply do not care who I am. And I've got to do something else to make my name even bigger. you got to make a splash over and over again. What's the old saying in this town? You're only as good as your last picture. That's true. Yep. Unfortunately, that is true. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I agree with everything you said. And it, it brings, it makes me remember how this podcast started, at least from, you know, from my standpoint. Um, I don't know if all of you remember, but I wrote a, um, like an 18 issue run of Voltron comics for Dynamite Entertainment. I did, uh, 12, like in a main series and then six in a prequel. And after those books were both, you know, both canceled essentially, um, no one was checking for me. I, I had become invisible and you know, I know you, you said you spent two months feeling sorry for yourself. And right. in, in my case, I spent, I won't say how much, but I spent more than two months feeling sorry for myself because I was on these great books and I felt really, you know, positive about them. I, you know, I love the characters. I love the work. You know, I love having books coming out on a on a regular basis, which is very important if you're going to try to build any sort of quote-unquote sustainable career in comics this was that was the first time that was like the longest time i had books out on the stands consistently because pre-voltron um i don't know how how familiar you guys are with my history but i i I had my first script published in july of 2003 right so technically that's how long i've been a professional writer but back in the day I couldn't stay in like I broke in but I couldn't stay in right so I would have a project maybe that project runs for you know four or five months it's over and then I'm just gone for a year 
So it'd be like a year, year and a half before I had another book come out. So I'd have another book come out, then I'm gone for another few months. Then I come back, and then I'm gone for an even longer time than before. So when I was on Voltron, that was the first time that I was actually on something sustained. I wrote 18 issues, so that was at least 18 months, maybe a little a little more if you count kind of like trades that came out at the end after the single issues were done. So that was the longest period of time that I was in the industry. And to have it end um, prematurely and have nothing else to replace it with was, it was, it was crushing. And, you know, and you, and you have, you have these periods of time in your career and even in your life when you just kind of get, you kind of get ground down. You, you kind of, you know, have, have your face dragged across the floor for a little bit and you have to recover. And, the, my Voltron books had been canceled. I didn't have any other work lined up. And having those books canceled, uh, I thought, was kind of being used against me. That's something else. This is another, um, something else we don't, you know, always, that, that I don't want to say black writers. I would just say that any writer who is not a straight white male, something that we often have to deal with that uh, that they don't to the to the same degree is that I felt and I still do that a lot of times if you are a black writer or you're a female writer or you're you're any kind of quote unquote other anytime you're on a project and it gets canceled or it doesn't work out you are made to assume the responsibility for that so when you're in comics there are 87 reasons that books don't you know that that books get canceled or they don't stay out or they finish up prematurely however you want to say it there's like 87 reasons for it but to me it has always seemed that when someone black or female writer if they're writing something and it doesn't work out it's because your writing is deficient the people don't want what you're you know what you're offering and it's your fault now, when a white guy is writing on a book and gets canceled, there's all these reasons, and all the reasons are true, but usually that creator will go on to do other projects. It's not seen as a like a, a disqualifying you know measure like oh you were writing a comic and it got canceled when if you look at every all of the biggest writers in comics wrote books that got canceled, all of them every single one of them and how you know being able to move past that and go on to something different and take the lessons that you learn from you know past situations that is what turns them you know that's how they that's how superstar writers are born right that's how the overnight success is born and i really felt at that period of time that my books had gotten canceled and I was the one that was being made to assume responsibility for that you know a lot of the other members of the creative team went on you know to other projects other opportunities and I felt like I was stuck and I was mad about it I was mad and I was uh, depressed and I just really didn't have a good feeling about comics and having a place in it and 
we started this podcast. I, I don't even remember how the, the conversation was, but I needed a way to engage with comics that wasn't about me trying to get assignments from editors because right. my relationship with comics had turned into that and I wasn't enjoying it. So, you know, we, we've had a, you know, a long running relationship. You know, we both have written columns, you know, we, we there's a lot of similarities there and it just felt like, it felt like something that I would enjoy. That's what it was. It was like the enjoyment of, of, of thinking about comics had been sucked out of me. And so I needed something to kind of basically replenish myself, you know, to, to, to get myself ready, you know, for the next, my next kind of like assault <laughs> into comics. And this podcast, I, I think this podcast saved my career in comics and just having something else to do that was in the industry, but not like in the heart of the industry kind of put you know kind of put myself back together long enough so when i started when 2014 happened um i had i had decided that i was going to stop feeling sorry for myself and that i was going to go back out there and i was going to you know and i was going to do this shit that's what i decided and i didn't know how i was going to do it i didn't know what kind of uh avenue i would have to go down now i didn't know how it was going to end up but i i decided i decided you know this shit is over i'm not doing this anymore like i'm not sitting around and feeling sorry i'm just i'm not doing it i'm not going to and out of the blue and this is sometimes how things happen you just sometimes you just get lucky sometimes it's just what you're putting out into the world and I was putting out a bunch of failure and disappointment and regret and that's what I was getting back and I decided that it you know that it was over you know I wasn't doing that anymore and two or three weeks into the new year in 2014 is when Sean Makowitz from Skybound emails me completely out of the blue and is like, you know, I used to work at DC. I used to read your work. Pitch me something. And completely out of the blue. We had never talked. We had never corresponded. I didn't know that Sean Makowitz even know that I existed. Mm. And he emailed me out of the blue. I used to work at DC. I'm at Skybound now. We're trying to branch out and bring in some new voices. I remember loving Miranda Mercury. I remember trying to hire you back at DC, and I couldn't. (laughs) That's another story. And, you know, I want you to pitch me something. And the first thing I pitched him was Horizon. Right. And we made that. And Horizon was, you know, I guess we can say it. We're, you know, big boys and girls here. You know, Horizon was canceled. But... You know, in very non, you know, non-typical comics form, Skybound didn't say, "Oh, well, we put out a book by you, and you know, and it didn't work out, so you know, to the trash heap with you." Right. They were like, "Okay, you know, that one didn't, you know, that one, that one wasn't what we were hoping it was, or whatever, you know. Let's keep going. What's next? And then what was next?" is excellence and excellence 
I think is like I said, it's it's an escalation, and I am taking the lessons that I learned um, doing Horizon, and I think you can tell one of the one of the main things is that when I started Horizon, I had this kind of vision in my head for like this four to five year epic sci-fi comic that I was writing and pacing wise I think you can feel that the pacing is very deliberate it's very uh, the word I would say is patient and it's patient because in my head I'm going to be writing this book for five years which if you really think about it it's just ridiculous because people barely write books for two years now so I don't know why I thought I was doing my Vertigo book, right? You know, like classic Vertigo books run for 60 issues. So in my head, that's what I was working towards. But, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't, like I wasn't thinking about the whole picture, right? You know, I think that one day I will be able to, you know, do like a sustained series for 50 to 60 issues or whatever. But where I was at in the industry with my current profile, that was just not realistic. Like that was not a realistic goal. So I think that the writing on Horizon, one of the reason that that the writing on Horizon improves um, heading into the last issue is because I knew I was running out of time. So those last six issues of Horizon between 13 and 18, when we had a pretty good idea that the book was going to end before we were, you know, completely through with it, there is so much stuff that I put into those last six issues that I was holding back, you know, for future arcs. Like in my head, it's like, oh, okay, we'll do this reveal, you know, at issue like 21, 22. It's like, well, there isn't going to be an issue 22, so you better figure out how to put it into 16. And that type of, um, I don't want to call it desperation, but that impatience, that sense of impatience and that intensity is all over excellence. Excellence does not feel, it does not, I do, it does not feel like a patient book. And because of that, I think it'll be a very different experience for people reading it. And I think it'll be more engaging because it's a lot faster. It's a lot more intense and there is no waiting around, right? There is no waiting until the end of the story arc before you get to the big reveal. You know, now it's just like, put that shit in issue four. Like, let's do it now. Let's figure out how to do that right now. And even with what I'm, I'm writing, uh, I'm halfway through the second arc of Excellence, and there are already things that I had planned for the end of that arc that I'm moving back and putting it into the middle of that arc. And that's a lesson that Horizon taught me. It's that you don't know how much time you, you don't know how much time you have. Like, don't assume that you're going to be writing and doing this forever. So get in there, work fast, work smart, and you know, and the and the end result is it's gonna be better because you're gonna you're gonna feel that it's gonna feel like I I want it to feel like if you miss an issue, like you're gonna be messed up. Like if you yeah. miss issue three, don't don't come here at four and and <laughs> think that you're just gonna be like oh okay you know I missed one like yeah you missed one and you missed like three important things so you better go back and get it and then come back when you're ready like you, you like I, that's that's the type of um that's the type of uh, feel that I want 
to this book. You know, I want a book that comes out and people are, I don't want, obviously I don't want people to spoil shit. Having stuff spoiled is awful, but I want it to feel like that. Like that's why, you know, that's why I go see Marvel movies and Star Wars movies as soon as they come out because I don't want people to be spoiling stuff for me. <laughs> I just right. don't. I can't, right. I can't have it. I can't have it. So, um, you know, it that's just one of those one of those things and a lot of excellence wouldn't be possible without Horizon. It just wouldn't be. You know, the the relationships that I formed with you know, the editorial team at Skybound and then, you know, just even past that, just the people just working at Skybound, like working the booths and doing, you know, like the merchandising and stuff, like the relationships that were formed on that first book, which was quote unquote, you know, not successful are being brought to bear on this second book to give us, you know, a better chance to, to do what we want you know and not kind of have like the rug pulled out from underneath us before we're ready so i mean that's just a really you know there's a, <laughs> i know it was long winded but there was actually a condensed version of kind of like from 2013 when we started this to where we are now and yeah, like you like you said i want it to be you know we we <laughs> we want to tell you the truth right we don't want to you know bullshit you like the the stuff is cool and it is amazing but sometimes it is hard sometimes you get lost and sometimes you get you know knocked off a cliff and you have to figure out how to reinvent yourself and keep going and and that's exactly the case and that's where you have to not succumb to despair and you cannot succumb to self-doubt, which is hard to ask a writer not to succumb to self-doubt. <laughs> yes. Self-doubt is pretty much our entire engine. Yes. But, but realistically, we're living in a what we would say is a darker time. But as a former history teacher, I will tell you this. I know a great many of people who listen to this are people of color and women of color and women, period, and people who are somewhat marginalized at times. The current administration is not on our side, so to speak. So I know a lot of people are feeling stressed out about a great many things. I will say this. Things will get better, and history tends to repeat itself. We had a period of somewhat leftist-leaning legislation and events happened for about 20 years, and then things snapped right back because it's a negative reaction to change. This has happened before Nixon got elected on the heels of the civil rights movement Woodrow Wilson got elected on the heels of major American changes after the Spanish-American War with blacks starting to black Americans starting to move into government and uh, advance in the military and Woodrow Wilson was elected as an open segregationist this is not the first time we've had a quote-unquote white supremacist administration in power it's only the first time that it has been open within our lifetimes. You know, uh, this is not new, folks. So if you are somebody who is fearful and struggling and, you know, wrapped up in anxiety because of what's happening around you, I would say just take a deep breath. Go for a walk. If you live in an area you can get into nature, go. And hiking, I know a lot of people laugh at hiking, but 
it definitely takes a lot of your stress away when you just get away from cities, streets, and concrete, and cars, and noise. Try to find a way to initiate what I call self-care, because yes. there's a huge difference between self-care and selfishness. Selfishness is about me, me, me at the detriment of other people. Self-care is about healing yourself for the sake of yourself and other people. And self-care has gotten me through, I can't tell you how many dark periods in my life. And by that I mean, like for me, I'll give you a clear example. Sometimes I'll just go to a comic book store, I'll go to a bookstore, I'll go for a hike, I'll go to the gym, right? Or I'll just go get a bottle of champagne, turn off everything other than music and you know, sip a glass of champagne free of everything that I have to deal with at that time. It's very small. I'm not advocating alcoholism, by the way. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, that is that, non-productive. Gotta, right. But you got to find that thing that you really enjoy doing that brings you a sense of peace and quiet and harmony and do that for yourself. If you can't do it every day, then at least twice a week because your your mind, your heart, and your general well-being will thank you that you took a few moments to take care of yourself and one of the things I would recommend is not being online as much get away uh, <laughs> get away from the Facebook uh, Twitter, Instagram Pinterest echo chamber where everybody agrees with everybody or everybody fights with everybody else it's just words that don't ultimately mean anything go outside Talk to people. Don't type on screens. Talk to people. Shake hands. Go get a bite to eat. Go see a movie with your buddies. The internet has done one thing, and it's a double-edged sword because the internet has allowed a bunch of communities to come together, people who I would meet online that I would never get a chance to meet who like the same stuff I do. That's been awesome. Yep. But the internet has the opposite effect of isolating you socially intellectually and emotionally be aware that the internet is not reality folks I always say this to people laugh and think I'm being a jerk but go outside seriously you'd be surprised at how much you will feel better when you get away from your computer screen and turn off your cell phone just try it once in a while you'd be shocked at how happy, how much happier you are when you're not dealing with the internet and that's really all I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is definitely true. I mean, I wrote when I was doing Horizon. Um, me and my wife were uh, we were walking a lot. Like we had these like these cool walking trails that were kind of kind of near us. But just I always felt like like when I exercise, I feel like I'm like I I write better. I can make the connections faster. Right. I just feel like cognitively I feel sharper. I feel like it sharpens you. And that, I think that's another reason that people need to be very careful about how much time it is they're spending online. Like for me, um, I kind of, I don't want to say I cheated, but you know, uh, my son is almost two years old. And awesome. having, I know it's it's insane, it's insane, but having 
basically having a toddler has drastically <laughs> reduced my time online to the point where I can't even I can barely post things that I need to post. Like I barely have time to even like jump onto Facebook or Twitter or you know post about excellence or or, or whatever. And I feel that I really feel that that has kind of saved me uh emotionally because i find uh like you said i find our current kind of i don't know if you'd call it political because i don't want to say political state because it's it's larger than that like it's not just that but i feel just kind of the current state of the world is so intolerable and infuriating to me that if I did you know if I did not have a toddler to you know to chase after and and kind of care for I really feel like I would be a mess emotionally like just kind of drowning in you know in like blind rage you know most days right. and so like you said you we have to you know and and this I know this is an even bigger issue for black and brown people because there's a very kind of stigma attached to mental health and taking care of yourself and admitting that sometimes you just can't endure you know all of this stuff emotionally and I mean we just have to we, as a culture we just have to do a better job of taking care of ourselves right. we just do I mean because even are even even the, the the famous black and brown people die prematurely it's like yep. what why it's, is that person that. dead yeah why is that's because you know i mean this stuff is stressful it is stressful and we have to you know we may have to do a little extra in order to you know survive you know a world that it seems that it spends a lot of time being overtly hostile you know just to our presence and existence and you know I just really think it's important that people people have to find something something that will occupy your mind and kind of take you away from because you know this stuff will will survive without us for a couple of days like if you need to put it put it away or even for longer than that but unfortunately this stuff will be here when you get back so we don't have to watch it live all the time like we don't have to you know we don't have to watch the world burning live you know it'll still be burning when we get back and there's no there's no shame in needing a break and disengaging and you know for creators that feel like they are kind of attached you know to the internet you like you're you're not attached to the internet like you can still have a functioning you know professional career without being on facebook and twitter 24 7 you right. just you just can so i don't want people to feel like they feel like they're you know taking themselves away from their career and their opportunities if they try to disengage from some of this stuff and uh and you know and like limited bursts but I think that's all. That's all I just want to say about that. I just, you know, people, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself, and you gotta do. I mean, because you, you, you gotta survive. You gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta survive so you can win. Like we can't, you know, we can't win flat on our backs from exhaustion and stress and turmoil, 
And, you know, you just always have to... Something that really center, centers me, it's it's awful. But when I am on Facebook and Twitter, there are so many people in my feed that are dealing with, like, serious health issues, either with themselves or with their children, you know, God forbid. And that's really something for me that it's just like, you know, to be to be honest, it's just, you know, get the fuck up. Get up. Right. Get up now. Right now. Like get up while you can because there is someone there is somewhere someone out there that wants your worst day. Mm. That would give anything to live your quote unquote worst day. And, you know, you got to stand up, you got to fight back and that that's that's just how it is. Like you said it's tough, it's unfair, but you know, that's the game. You know, Indeed. I'm I'm not going to my you know, my book got canceled and everybody said it was my fault, but you know, I I decided I wasn't going to stay down there and allow that to be the the end of my story. So, yeah, and you know, and one thing I I say and I, and I hate to even think it, but I know it's true based on experience is that there's a bunch of people secretly rooting for you to fail. Yes. And you cannot let those bastards feel good because there's an old saying and it goes, uh, success is the best revenge. Mm-hmm. And that's and there's, there's a truth to that. There are folks out there that you may not be aware of who you think are your, your you know, part of your crew and they, or you think that, you know, you think that they're part of your team. But the minute you're out of earshot, it's a whole different ball game. And you need to be aware that not, you can't always put it on anybody else. Sometimes, 100%, you need to be completely dependent upon yourself for a little while mm-hmm. just to get from point A to point B. And then you can step up and build your team. And you also have to remember, people don't want to hang out with people if they think you're going to bring them down. Right. If you're going to be the sad, we call sad sack. Right. If you're going to be the Debbie Downer. Not to say that you know you need to be putting on a fake face for anybody. But be aware that if it gets out that you're a Debbie Downer, Nobody will ever want to be around you. And also, you got to remember, everything in this business is about referral. And you don't want to be referred to as a downer or a sad person or somebody that's going to break the happy flow. Right. So keep that in mind, too. Right. Because all of this stuff, it's teams. You know, I don't know um, how, you know, familiar... You know, I, I know a lot of us have played sports, but it's... You know, I just love sports metaphors because it's just that's what it is. It's the team, and nobody wants to be on a team with, you know, someone who is always complaining or someone who is always sad and depressed about you know whatever little thing didn't go their way. But they also don't also don't want to be on a team, you know, with like an egomaniac. You know, somebody that is just you know like oh man, you know I'm 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 the greatest. You know, I got it all. <laughs> I got it all figured out because because none of us have any of this stuff figured out and there is a laundry list of you know writers and creatives who had good years or two good years or three good years and they're just gone now and so you just never know and that's just kind of that's kind of what centers me the fact that you never know I mean right now I have a book that's been announced people are really excited about it but who knows what'll be happening in two years? Like I can't as 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 amazing as this feeling is right now, I can't live off of this feeling for the rest of my life. 
right? I still have to remember the reason why I feel this way about excellence, the work that went into it, the the personalized nature of some of the storytelling, even though it, it's uncomfortable and, and makes me feel kind of exposed in certain ways. You just have to, you know, you just have to you, you take, and we say this a lot, You take the win, you know, take the right. win, enjoy the things that you have accomplished and the things that have happened to you that have gone right but always keep your eyes forward always keep moving forward because you never know what what is around the corner and like I said you just remember there are people out there your worst day worst day of your life they would take it in a heartbeat and it's just like think about that what do they say in um, black uh, not black uh, Luke Cage always forward forward always yep there we go i think that's it yeah two brandons back again thank you guys um apologize for the uh the the lengthy time away uh we'll try to do better it's mostly me whenever i say that it's it's (laughs) it's me that's the problem like it's it it's brandon thomas who was like man i can't oh man when are we gonna record oh man the the baby's running around oh oh but but it's me you know so i'll try to I'll, i'll i'll try to do better uh this year and and there's i feel like there's there'll be a lot to talk about this year too so so that'll help too so thank you guys for uh being patient with us and um we got a lot of cool stuff um coming up i mean like everyone in the world just avengers i just i can't wait i just i almost can't deal with how excited i am about this i can't tell you how many times i have watched that super bowl commercial which i just think it's just the greatest thing ever. I'm like, man, this is this is seriously like the greatest 30 second trailer that anybody ever made. I'm like, how do they do so much with so you little? And you know it's going to be awesome. And uh, but yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about in terms of that stuff. We have to do a whole episode about all the stuff we're looking forward to in 2019. Yeah. This is the end of the, this is the year that ends the Skywalker story. And yes, yeah. Really? So you got any uh, predictions for the title? Uh, it'll probably be something like Balance of the Force or Rise of Something. Because, like, it's always been, like, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, so maybe it's Rise of Something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I, you know, J.J. Abrams has to basically do for Star Wars what Barack Obama had to do for the United States after the Bush administration. So... <laughs> Did you just you just basically you said the last Jedi was the Bush administration? Yeah, pretty much because <laughs> I'll say that for a reason because there were things that happened between 2000 and 2008 for like Pete and people's lives that were awesome. Uh huh. When you look at the bigger picture, you can't really say it was that awesome because we were in the midst of horrible wars. There was tremendous death worldwide, and nothing went the way we thought it was going to go. Right. Now, we were okay with some endings because the ending led to Barack Obama being elected president of the United States. But to get to that ending or that beginning, it it took a lot. And we had to go through some growing pains to kind of reverse what happened during the Bush years. Uh And it was things that we couldn't even fix. So, um, obviously, I don't hate The Last Jedi like so many other people do. Mm -hmm. And I don't like about The Last Jedi have nothing to do with diversity or Rose or people of color, or what, I, that, that, that's not an issue for me. Mm. They had issues with the actual physical editing structure 
and story flow of The Last Jedi uh -huh. and they did with Luke. Now, that has nothing to do with Rose or any of that stuff. So my issues with The Last Jedi are not based on that proud boy, white supremacist, racist, right. uh, a comics gate crowd. That's yeah. not my bag. My bag has to do with the filmmaking and storytelling issues. Mm -hmm. And there were quite a few. So that's my issue with that. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how the Star Wars saga, well, the original Star Wars saga, so to speak, ends. Yes. Uh, and I'm anxious for them to be able to get to something new, honestly. I mean, I, I've, you know, we talked about that. We're going to make it quick because this will turn into a thing. But, you know, I've made peace with the fact that, um, you know, Star Wars has just moved, it's moved beyond us. Yes, it has. It, yeah. it has. And, 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 it, and it's supposed to. And it's supposed to. So, I mean, as much as I, to me, they're, both of these movies uh, did things well. And there are other things that maybe they, I don't want to even say they didn't do well. They just didn't do it the way that I would have done it, which is right. not really the same thing. And I don't think e e either of those two movies are better than any of the original trilogy, even oh, no. even Jedi, nope. even Jedi. But um, the Last Jedi, I would say that the more the more I think about it, the more I dislike it I don't want to say dislike it dislike it is right. not true I just I liked to me the 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 cool stuff the Jedi stuff I thought worked to me everything else after, past that was kind of a like a, a mixed bad like I, I like I don't I don't care about like sad like failure Luke like I don't I mean I just don't <laughs> I mean that is I know that right. that's a that's a that's a story arc mm -hmm. right and the expanded universe is just it it doesn't it not it i don't want to say it doesn't exist the, the shit exists obviously but that's just not what it was right. and because of the expanded universe that's why you got the last jedi like if there was no expanded universe and this was the first time that anyone was telling any stories about you know this post return of the jedi maybe you could have gotten you know like badass jedi academy luke which is basically what a lot of us wanted but we had gotten that already and you can't get rid of the expanded universe and then just kind of keep bringing it back in on the side and like oh yeah it doesn't exist anymore except that we took half of the stuff in it and then put it in these new movies it's like so does it exist or does it not exist so i know they had to go in a in a in a new direction but uh, to me the and, and it's funny i mean to me like the 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 most kind of egregious failure of the new movies has been uh uh, what I'm now calling Falling Finn mm -hmm. and um, just the I feel like they made some of the, the same mistakes that they made in previous kind of versions of Star Wars this whole like right. it can only right. be one thing right. like and I, I just was really I think that was a huge missed opportunity you know to have multiple characters that are using the four maybe they're using them in different ways like i'm not i'm not demanding that finn have been a jedi but i it's just like you know oh here we go again with this oh there's only one and no one knows who their parents are and blah 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 and whatever so you know i am very much excited for uh for episode 9 and and more specifically that first trailer for episode nine and yeah, I don't know where the hell that thing is. 
Oh man, they holding on to you know you know how JJ do, <laughs> but you know right. my my kind of prediction. Like I would I I would be happy if I would like it called. Um, for me, my title would be a force beyond. Mm. Um, I think that if I was doing it, and just based on some of the whisperings that I've been you know seeing online, so I, I can't take a hundred percent credit for it. Um. I like the idea of the the Jedi and the Sith or whatever you call themselves having to unite against a larger common foe. Like to me that would be that's the end of the Skywalker saga that I want to see. Like an abandoning of this tired, stiff like binary, like thing, binary right? dual yeah. like I'm evil, I'm good, you're evil. Like I I want that dead. You know, I we want have it. to do an episode of just our issues with Star Wars canon and philosophy. We have to do, you know, because seriously, yeah. because I have a whole thing going back to Darth Bane, who I like, by the way, and Darth Revan, who I also like. Mm-hmm. And there's a story there that obviously is going to be told at some point. But um, the binary nature of the Force as a religion doesn't make sense in the long term. Right. So. But that's another conversation. So, yes, yeah. it is. And, and I got to go. Yeah, but, uh, me we'll too. Talk, we'll talk about this real, We'll talk about that. <laughs> to be continued, guys. We really do need to we'll, do We'll it. do that. So, you know, we're, yeah. you know us. We're going to have a um, have a whole thing when that first trailer comes out. So yeah. we'll, maybe we'll, yeah. we'll incorporate that into that discussion. We'll talk about the new trailer. And then we'll talk about our kind of like, you know, like problems with kind of Jedi philosophy and, you know, all that good stuff. It'll be Let's fun. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, guys. So we need to stop now. We will see you next time. Thank you for uh, welcoming us back. Excellence is in stores uh, May 8th. Uh, Please pick it up. It's very good. I think you guys will love it. Love it, love it, love it to death. And um, I I thank you guys for, um, you know, your support on this podcast and, and with my writing career to get me to this point. Like, I feel like this is a very critical point for me, you know, creatively and professionally. And I wouldn't have gotten here without you guys, without you guys, you know, reading Voltron and reading eight page, you know, one shots and stories and and, and whatever. So I I thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Thank you for being with me, with us. And uh, we got more, got more good work to do. And we will. All right. Take care, folks. All right. Peace out.